Okie dokie. Okie dokie dokie. Doki Doki Literature Doki Literature Club. Oh man. Oh. The second game is just gonna be called Okie Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, <laughs> totally play it. <laughs> Welcome to The Forecast, episode 93. The Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast produced on Thursdays. We're a community of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things from video games and board games to film and TV to our everyday life experiences. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash wearethehorizoncommunity, or you can check out our website at wearethehorizon.com, or you can also just come hang out in our Discord channel. If you go to our website, we have a ton of original content there for you to browse through. Also, all of our old podcasts are there. You can take a listen. And additionally, everything we talk about is in our cast notes, notes, which are pushed out to whatever podcasting app you are using. I am Aaron, and I'm joined by a couple of additional peeps this week. Alex? Yes, sir. Caleb? That's me. And OE93? Hey, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, uh, so if you were with us last time, two weeks ago, you heard our pre-PUP podcast, uh, pre-PAX Unplugged. We go to PAX Unplugged every year. This is our third year we went, and uh, we talk about all kinds of things on our pre-PUP about everything we're excited about, from board games to all of the panels we're definitely not going to, uh, to just the really cool experiences that we get to have there. And then this in our post-PUP, we get to talk a little bit about the stuff that we actually did and tell you all the things that we definitely promised you we, we would talk about and then didn't go to. Um, but before we get there, we're going to start with what we always start with, which is what have you been playing lately? And Caleb, we're going to start with you this week. We're going to start oh, with you. Gonna, this, gonna not be muted. Yay. We're going to start with you. <laughs> That's what happens when you're eating lunch currently. Um, so I've played a few games. Um, I've been playing a lot of really small games recently. To try to wrap up this game of the year playing stuff. So I played Kyle is Famous, and that is a free game on Steam. It's very Stanley Parable-like. You kind of just step through Kyle's day, making choices for him. And it's uh, quite hilarious. For instance, there's a part where you can walk into the kitchen, and you open up the fridge, and then your options are make some breakfast, eat a banana, or eat the fridge. So, Mm. you know, obviously... Some, some good fridge. choices in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he eats the whole fridge. He does. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like like in one gulp. Yep. Just picks it up and nice. Ow. Yep. Oh, I mean, hey. it doesn't have a fridge anymore. It's not very efficient. It's true. He's out of fridge, but I mean, you're only playing the one day of Kyle's life, so mm. for you, you're not losing much. True. true. Um, but it's it's just all text, and you know, you click through various text things, but the whole point of the game is you're going through and Kyle has this special interview that night and you got to prepare for the interview by eating a variety of things and get weird endings yeah that seems like a very dramatic way to prepare for an interview but you know I'll give it to him he's gonna have all of the iron he would ever need (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but I'm I also played Sigma Theory it's uh, a new game by the out there people you guys remember that game 
Oh yeah, yeah. The guy, the one you played at PAX East, where you want a book because you're yeah. the first person to get to the ending. Yeah, yeah. So it's made by those people, and I played through it once. It took about two hours. I beat it first try, so I was like, "Well, I can probably uninstall this now." But <laughs> <laughs> the Steam achievements seem like not that many people beat it, so maybe it, maybe I had an easy run or something. But the kind of the way the game plays is you have it's called Sigma Theory because you're um, researching this Sigma technology, which is supposed to be world changing, and whoever finds it first wins essentially. And you have a whole bunch of researchers who are researching various uh, disciplines, and you have agents which you can use to send to other countries and uh, bribe or kidnap researchers or hack in and steal some of their research and various things like that. So you're sending people out on missions to do various things. They're getting captured or abducting abducting people, and you're just trying to beat everyone else. Okay, pretty neat. It doesn't have the same sort of story beats that out there does uh that i find enjoyable so it gets kind of samey after 30 minutes of play but it's vaguely interesting for a one or two attempts uh and then i have played not a crawl that's n-a-u-t-i i was just gonna say exactly how is that spelled (laughs) not space a space crawl It's like it's like uh, the opposite. It's like the opposite of a bar crawl. It's just not a crawl. You just yeah, at exactly. a bar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, it's called walking, not a crawl. But you start out in just this <laughs> vehicle. Essentially, you don't know what it is. You don't know anything. There's just a whole bunch of switches and levers and buttons, and you gotta just start hitting stuff, figuring out what it does. And eventually you get like a transmission that's like tells you what you need to do. And so you start moving around this giant vehicle and trying to maintain your fuel and your uh, battery life and all this stuff. It's very interesting. The first the first time you play it, getting all the figuring out what all the levers and buttons do and stuff is quite fun. And then the game is generally fun after that. You're kind of just kind of using a radar to maneuver around a map and avoid towers and enemies and get to a specific spot that I haven't reached yet because it's very difficult. So you're just like starting in a central location and trying to make your way out? Uh, it's not very clear where you're starting or where you're getting to. Okay. I think you're trying to get to a broadcast point like some, where somebody is broadcasting some signal. But I haven't made it there yet, so I don't really know. Is it is it creepy? Hmm... Is it like uh, it's, it's Soma when you're times. underwater? <laughs> no, you can see things. So that's oh, a plus. that's good. That's a yeah. plus. All right. Okay. Is it checking. like Bioshock when a big daddy's moaning in the distance? Yeah. Um. No. I mean, it's got a little bit of that feel sometimes when like an enemy pops up on the radar and you're like, crap, crap, crap. Got to turn on my stealth. Got to turn off like eight things so I can turn on stealth. But yeah. Why do you wait? So you have to turn off a bunch of stuff so you can turn on stealth. Is it like power yeah. management? Yeah, or? like you're managing your power and your fuel simultaneously. That's kind of cool. Are you sure and you're not sometimes playing systems stranding? will short out, and you have to like go adjust the power levels that's going to each panel so that you can like make it actually work for a short period of time. Man, I want stuff like that, but like in Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if it was feel- way more complicated. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have enough in it, huh? Yeah. 
You need, you but, want you want like Star Trek bridge crew in combination with uh, uh, whatever that space game is where you're activating different boards and you have to call make call outs to people. Uh, started as an iPhone game and now it's a card game. Uh, space team. Space team. Yeah. Yeah. You want you want like that combination, except maybe not as ridiculous as Space Team. <laughs> uh, I just want it like more simmy and less mm-hmm, arcadey. Mm-hmm. That's all for me. Owen. Hey. You playing, buddy? Uh, well, I've been playing some Pokemon and uh, the Sword and Shield because you know it's there. And I played some with Brock while we were at Pax Unplugged. Traded some Pokemon, got some Pokemon. I'm still woefully unprepared just because I keep just sitting around in the forest trying to catch Pokemon that I think are cool or ones that rarely show up. And I'm like, oh, hey, I don't have that one. And then I just keep going back trying to get that one rather than actually doing the gyms and trying to do anything else. But yeah. Can I say I've never seen somebody more dedicated to catching Pokemon while they're currently engaged in other activities as you? You just I, have that it's just very in your pocket, and you're just like moving it around. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, over that's there? that's in that's in Pokemon Go. Yeah. So for those that don't know, when we were running around Philly, I had um, I had my Pokeball Plus in my pocket. So for basically, what it does is that it links up to Pokemon Go. So instead of having my phone out and catching Pokemon in Pokemon Go, like I'll it just the ball will vibrate and let me know that there's a Pokemon near, and then I press a button, and then it attempts to catch it. And so no having your phone out, tapping a bunch of things, you know, staring at it like I was having full blown conversations with Aaron and it took him a couple of days before he's just like, why do you keep like fidgeting in your pockets? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I've just been catching Pokemon like the entire time that we've just seems been like going around. pay to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, all, all I was is really there was... winning in Pokemon Go? <laughs> I was saying more like ac- across the board. Like, this is not just Pokemon. That was just like one example of you being like, you know, catching actively catching Pokemon while, while more things were going on. If you weren't doing that and you weren't engaged in some other activity, you were playing Sword and Shield. So it's just like Pokemon with Pokemon and Pokemon all weekend. I, it was just I a mean, lot. Th- there was a lot of Pokemon. It was just what I was doing in my downtime in between us playing board games. And there's a lot of board games. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I have played literally nothing in two weeks. So that makes me real sad. Guys, I'm sad. Do I sound sad? You've just you been played so Overwatch sad. last night. You lied. I, okay, fine. Got All right. Him. I played Overwatch for like three games. It was it was good. Wow, I just listed Overwatch. Thanks, Owen. <laughs> what? Oh, man. Shut wow. up. <laughs> Got him again. You're Got him worst. twice in a row. He's getting everyone. All right, Alex, you're up. What have you been playing? Um, Several things. Uh, first of all, Boneworks came out, which is a... VR title that was hotly anticipated. It was like the most wishlisted VR title on Steam for like ever. Um, basically, it's it, it's claim to fame is like everything is based in physics in the game. So like all the models and structures in the game have physics to them. So you can pretty much interact with everything as you'd expect to be able to. And like it, you, instead of like putting your hands through tables because you know they don't actually exist and stuff like that like you can actually like your hand will stop against surfaces and stuff like that and you can pick things up and throw it as you'd expect to be able to do that and all the you know enemies are fully rendered and have physics to them so you can like push them around or like grab them and throw them and stuff like that or like you know if they 
the the main thing is like they come at you and you like run at them and shove them and they'll like fall on the ground and then you can like do whatever beat them up boot them beat them up punch them punch them stomp them it's got a bricks at them yeah you pick up pick up bricks and throw bricks around um a lot of like using physics to try to like climb to areas that you wouldn't usually be able to get to because you can like grab on stuff and pull your body up or you can like stack this box over here and try to climb up on this box to get up on top of this shelf and find this hidden item or whatever yeah it's got some climbing in it but with more like weight behind the climbing like you have to be you have to think about how you're climbing a surface you can't just grab on and go right there's weight behind everything. It's it's a little weird starting starting out. Like you, you have to get used to how the physics react because it doesn't exactly feel like real life. So as soon as you understand how the physics in the world feel, then it feels natural. If that makes sense, right? Because you know how to expect things to feel, and everything feels that way. Is this? Is this a uh, game for people who have like don't have good VR legs can play? Um, it has artificial locomotion, so maybe not. Yeah. Okay. I always wonder because like sometimes I f- I feel like I mean I feel like I have pretty good VR VR legs, but sometimes I'll play a game and I'm just like, mm-hmm, this is like right on the edge. Some of these things are just like some of the way I'm moving. Windlands. Yeah, windlands especially like when you're. When you're swinging in a giant circle to shoot something in a center platform and like as you swing, you're turning your body and like firing an arrow and then swinging like rotating back to grab another tree limb. Like there's definitely some amount of like just weird. It's like almost out of body, body experience feeling about you, you're like moving, but you're definitely stationary where you're standing. Mm-hmm. Um, also played the I guess it's an early access now GTFO. Is this, a lot of, a lot of this... games with all caps letters in the title. <laughs> it is a it's acronym. four player co op. It is not an acronym. It is, it is actually Dang what it's it. called. Okay. Well, I mean, it probably stands for what you would think it would stand <laughs> for, but the actual title of the game is just GTFO four letters. Okay. Um. Yeah, four player co op. Um. It's almost like if you took like a left for dead style like going through a level uh with a bunch of like zombie-esque enemies at spawn but made it like a stealth game almost Ooh, i think of it as like a um shoot i forgot the name what's that valve game it's like up to eight players right now and it's top down twin stick shooter tactical oh like alien swarm alien swarm it's like a first person alien swarm but a yeah, little kinda. more horror and a little more tactics. Yeah, they they try to lean into the horror elements, um, which doesn't actually affect me because it's co-op. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, has it not been bad? No, I mean, they there's several times where so when you when you lose or when you finish or whatever that goes to the end score screen and it just does like a really loud scream at you, <laughs> and I never expect it, and it just always like catches me a little bit. But that's just like some cheap trick, you know, like mm-hmm. the actual gameplay is like second to second gameplay is not particularly like scary. More it suspense. is dark and moody. Yeah. And like you're not actively fighting dudes all the time. Like you'll 
you'll come into a room and somebody has like, so it's kind of inspired by alien a little bit. So somebody on your team will probably have the, what is it like a motion tracker or like a heartbeat sensor? I think it's like a heartbeat sensor. And so they can like scan around through walls and see if enemies are around and they'll be like, all right, there's two in this next room. So you'll all like sneak up on the enemies with your melee weapons and take them out before they notice. And then somebody screws up. Definitely not me. And <laughs> the one enemy that doesn't die will scream. And then like a bunch will like run out of all sorts of places and try to get you. And there's a lot of like, all right, we, the, the objective is to go find this object in this section of the, the map. So we got to use this terminal to try to figure out where exactly it is. And you're actually typing commands into the terminal, querying like parts of the facility to see if the, like the key for this door is around. Um, and then you'll get to like a security door and it's like, all right, we got to go through the security door. It's the only way to go. It's going to sound an alarm when we do it. So we set up like Chad will set up like a turret and then Caleb's running around putting up mines on walls and I'll put a bunch of goop on this door to reinforce it. And then we're like, all right, go. And we launched like the, the alarm goes off and then like a bunch of dudes are all slamming at the door. It gives us a couple seconds to try to like hack the security and hacking the security just involves standing in different spots, I guess. Yeah. That's a weird system, but whatever. It kind of works. It, it forces it you to, sense, but... to move into danger is what it does. Yeah. Because you have to go stand on these specific plates essentially to try to mm-hmm. unlock the door. And there there's like, sometimes it'll be all together and sometimes it'll be like spread out across the room. So it's, it's pretty cool systems. It, it's a lot of fun so far. I really yeah, like. We have beaten only the first mission. Is it was very. It's hard. hard. It's, <laughs> it's a hard. hard game. I and really like on the, the store page. It says, "Hey, this game's hard. Don't buy it if you don't want. <laughs> if you don't want that. If you don't want a challenge, don't do it." Yeah, I really like uh, sort of like the pathy strategy games where you have to make those sort of decisions, like, and you know something's going to happen as a result of some of the actions you're taking. So you just have to kind of plan around. Yeah. All right, well, here's how we tried this last time, and freaking everyone died, so let's try something new. And what's cool and, uh, is, like, the level is pretty much the same. There's a couple things that are dynamically generated every time, but the layout's mm-hmm. kind of the same, so you kind of get into, like, figuring out the strategy of how to beat it. Yeah. I feel like that's the same thing with uh, Left 4 Dead 2. I mean, the, the layout of the level is always the same, right? Except there's just different enemies that are kind of, like, spawning and uh maybe like weapon pickups are yeah. slightly different so you're that's kind of more like i think it's more like that's more like straight down a hallway though like the, it's pretty linear like this is more there's like out. a map with multiple ways that you can go and oh because you have to find like certain form. items to be able to to progress yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so okay. you have to find a key to unlock the door to get into the second area and like oh this seems really the, cool it is very yeah. cool I'm so excited to play some more. <laughs> How many? Was it just co-op? Yeah, co-op. Four players. And, like, there's no matchmaking in the game, which oh. all, all the negative reviews on the Steam page are about how there's no matchmaking. <laughs> so people are very upset about that, but they're very much like, no, you need to get people that you can communicate with because this yeah. game is hard. I was going to say, that seems almost preferable of just, like, yeah. if you're going to play this play it with your friends rather than just like finding some random people because how many times have we done like 
I, I mean, I guess how many times have you guys, I've done this before of like trying to do some of the harder GTA heists and stuff where you have to be stealthy. And then just like, there's that one guy that just dies in two Random seconds. Dudes, like no communication. Yeah. Nobody knows what anybody's doing. Yeah. Yep. You, yeah, you definitely cannot do matchmaking for GTA heists. I mean, it's garbage. Yeah, I've I've tried doing that, and it's not a pleasurable experience, which is why I just wait for you guys. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, I also played a little bit of Black Future '88, which just came out with Caleb. It is a it's single player or like a local co op, like roguelike, very like synthwave aesthetic y. Uh, we played it at PAX actually, Aaron, if you remember. Black Future Radio. Is that the one where we played? It was like in between two rows. They had like a couple different games. And you. Um, we got pins for it. Like, no, this is a. This was like a booth to itself, but. Mm. It's very neon soaked and fast paced. And it's. There's like a bunch of weapons that you drop that you can pick up. 2D side scroller. Oh, kind, I remember. You kind of. You go through yeah, the yeah. map and like clear it out, and then go fight a boss, and then go to the next area. And you, you can go pick through, up. Like, so, did you go through like some sort of portal to get where you're going? Like you're there selecting are weapons prior, and then you kind of go through you the get portal. On a train. You, is it a train? The train crashes. Does there are crash? portals throughout the just... level, though. Okay. Uh, does it stop? And you, you just get off. It kind of looks like it crashes every time, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's very over the top, kind of yeah. like. In your face, like there's so much stuff is happening on screen all the time. I don't know. We, I think we kind of decided it's not great for co-op. Yeah, a lot of the camera, the choices with the camera just don't really work well in two-player. There's like these guns that swap you spots with the enemy you shoot, and that oh. if you're not the person shooting it, you have no clue where your character is. Suddenly, it's very disorienting. Just, like, jumps. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Um, but yeah, it's probably pretty fun. I haven't played it single player yet, but I, I imagine it's probably pretty fun that way. I played some. It's pretty good. It doesn't. I feel like there's not a lot of depth to it. No. It's like beat this, and then as you're playing, you kind of unlock some stuff. But and move on to the next. None and repeat. Of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of depth to it. it I did find. Um, we did find one interesting mechanic where if you get multiple items in a set, it doesn't tell you what the sets are, but if you get them. It like pops up and it's like, here's this new perk that you got because you found these two items that have synergy or whatever. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Touch. I also like like a lot of the perks that you'll find around to pick up are cursed, so they're something really good and something really bad will happen if you take it. Which, knowing how you played Outer Worlds, you don't like curses, so... <laughs> the Outer Worlds curses were never worth it, though. They were just like... I feel like they were strictly for flavor. I took one every time, man. Every time <laughs> it was Jake. offered, taken. I don't know why you'd want the perk points in that game. They're not super yeah, the worth it. Great. They're not very good. And the the negatives of those curses are like so bad. They're pretty they're pretty rough. Mm-hmm. So bad. But when you're playing with Max Silence and Melee and you're using that hammer, nothing stands a chance against you, so it's fine. Yeah, but what if it was just like, nah, your melee damage is fifty percent less? I would still kill everything because your rest are bad. Oh, uh, whatever. It's bad. And then finally, uh, the last chapter of Life is Strange Two finally came out. That game has been releasing over the course of like a year. 
Um, but all five episodes are out, so I actually started playing it finally. Uh, along with its, um, they released like a little mini game called The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit before they started doing Life is Strange 2, which kind of leads into it. It's I, So I played that first, and it wasn't apparent how it was going to relate at all. Besides the fact that I knew what the main characters of Life is Strange 2 looked like, and they literally appeared on screen for two seconds at the very end of the game. Like, the, the camera pans over and you see them, and that was it. Ooh. Um, and then I played the entire first episode of Life is Strange 2, and nothing in it related to Captain Spirit, and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and then I, st- I got into the second episode, and finally stuff matched up, and it all makes sense, and I'm like, oh man, this is really cool. So... It's, there's a lot of narrative and stuff like that that I probably shouldn't spoil, but so far I'm liking it. Um, comparing it to the first game, I pretty much just have the same uh, critique that Jake always says, which is the first game, you have time powers, so you can make decisions and then go back in time and change your decisions. And it's um, it's it works well in the story, and it also works what, like super good as a mechanic for a game like this. So you can just like kind of shape conversations the way you actually want them to go instead of like clicking on a button that says thanks dot dot dot. And then the character's like, well, thanks. And you're like, yeah. well, I didn't know you're going to say it like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, th- I thought I was trying to be nice and you're just snotty. Like, no, I don't know. It's it's a story that is heavily focused around um, the relationship between two brothers, which I think is really compelling. And it's it's really digging into a lot of that that stuff and and some of the there's always like some supernatural elements in these games so some of that is coming out a lot in the second episode and I'm really into it so and how long has it how long did you say it's been it's taken them to release all the episodes for this like a year like yeah let me look at the Steam page yeah September twenty sixth twenty eighteen is supposedly the release date. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And the, the final here. episode just released December 5th. So 15 months. Yeah, thereabouts. That's, that's, yeah, to, that's quite a while. To release five episodes. Took so long. If I would have played them as they came out, I'd have been so mad. <laughs> um, hmm, that's a long time. So uh, yeah, now my question is, would this count for game of the year? Even though it technically Ooh. started releasing last year. That's a yeah, good question. Absolutely. I feel like it has to, right? Because this is like episodic release stuff. I mean, if it's like literally part of the story and it's not just an expansion, like the full game didn't release until December, whatever the last episode was released. You know what yeah, I mean? I, I'm pretty sure I, only the first episode released in the year 2018. Yeah. I was going to say, especially See, for this case where four of the five episodes yeah. came out this year. So I don't know how you could count. Yeah. I don't know how you could count. For 2018. I don't know if it'll rank anywhere on my list, but traditionally I love Life is Strange, so we'll see. Don't forget Slay the Spire also came out this year. Yeah, I know. (laughs) There's too many good things that came out this year. Wow, that's not how it... Like, we have been talking over the past, like, several months about how there hasn't been, like, a ton. A lot of things got moved out. I think there's been a lot of just good games like good solid games there's a lot of stuff no, that no like amazing games got there's a it, lot of stuff it, that like ranks closely together i think yeah yeah got it absolutely so it's gonna know, be hard to like say to what's <laughs> in the top five play fucking sayonara wild hearts <laughs> how did i know that was coming because it's so good 
Uh, so let's talk a little bit about packs, shall we? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, uh, I mean, shoot, if there are any people who plan packs listening to this podcast much better than last year, uh, there were yeah. a couple of things that I think just stood out to me. Number one, the lines were never a problem uh, to get into packs, unlike the last last year, which was it was just a mess. I felt like the coordination of where the entry was was better. Um, and like how they were moving the lines along. I, I, I think they just did a better job of it this year. Plus there are a lot more uh, metal detectors. So I think they could just move people through a little quicker. Yeah. Well, I think that's mainly just because instead of having like three or four side entrances, all with two to three metal detectors, they just shoved mm-hmm. everything at one spot. And yep. so it was just so that. much easier to go through that. Well, they communicated it. it beforehand too, which I liked. Cause I don't think, la- I don't think last year they said where the entries were at. I think it was just like, it's going to be at the convention center, and then people showed up, and they kind of were just standing in the line that yeah, they thought some, was maybe... some doors were like, hey, this door is only a way out, and then other ones were like, oh, you can actually go in if you go over there, and mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, last year was better. Yeah. Wow. Last year's <laughs> lines you thought were better. Mm-hmm. This no. year... It was annoying. You had to walk yes. all the way around to the main entrance. I think that was annoying, time. but I liked that better than waiting in line at all yeah. of like because there was one a, day that me and problem. Caleb got lunch at Reading and we're like, oh, we're just gonna go back to the the convention center like we usually do. And we walk out of Reading and then it's just like, oh right, you don't do all that the freaking way around. away. It's but I think the opposite side. I think that was the thing that I liked about it though was the fact that like. When last year, when we you had when you, we went to Reading and then you grabbed food and then you'd be waiting in line at like the Reading entrance because everyone else was at the Reading entrance and it would just take forever to get back in. It was like, significantly I faster. Yeah, oh, I, I, I think it was faster to get last year. I think it was faster to get back in, but I never dealt with a lot like a serious line to get in the front door. The first day was the only time there was any amount of line at all. Yeah, and it, it wasn't even that bad. The rest of the time, prefer, every the time I entered, no problem. I would prefer mild lines and be able to walk back in the building where I left it than have to walk to the yeah, opposite yeah, side yeah. every time. It's so big. It's a big convention. It is a My sandwich big. was like so old by the yeah. time I got back to eat it. <laughs> Those fries were completely soggy. The, the fries were back. like ruined. You got to eat them at Reading because there's tons of seats available in there. Yeah, tons of seats. There's there. no <laughs> seats. We actually looked around. We we're like, should we eat here? We looked around. There's no seats. We we're like, all right, we'll go back. Sounds about right. Because usually that's fine. Yeah, usually it is. Uh, they also had um, significantly more vendors this year, and we talked about that on our pre-pup. Uh, they were well, over 250 vendors this year, which is cool. The floor seemed busy, occupied, big. Mm-hmm. Uh, they big. opened up an additional portion of space, so it felt more spread out. I didn't feel like I was like swimming through people like I do at PAX East. East. Yeah. yeah, which is really nice. It's a lot less stressful when you're trying to like figure out where you're going, but you're just running into everyone. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Um, I, I think we have a lot of board games to talk about, but first and foremost, outside of the, just the general details of packs, I think we should probably talk about our mega game experience. Yes. I feel like that was probably the highlight of everyone's unplugged trip this year. I, I just, uh, this is the first time I did a mega game and I just thought it was so much fun doing that because it felt like i don't want to say escape roomy because it wasn't like we weren't trying to do a lot outside of sitting at our table Mm -hmm. but it's just that cooperative nature 
that we all had like okay we're all working and playing this thing together but then there was other people that were also doing that that we were trying to beat so and i thought that was cool let's explain this experience real quick it's called the helios experience or the helios conspiracy um and the 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 premise is that there's a whole bunch of different groups staying at this hotel essentially for like i don't did they say that it was like for a conference yeah, yeah. it's a conference okay and you're all kind of like trying to discover what's going on there's something going on some sort of conspiracy and so there's i want to say like eight or nine different groups of people it may even be more than that um and when you start the game up they have you kind of all just like separated out and then they bring you in everybody's in one room it's well lit well lit the aspect or sorry well lit by well lit i don't mean like bright i mean <laughs> the lighting is good yeah because um, it's dimly lit it's lit only sort of on the tables you're going to be working at there's curtains to sort of uh, partition off everybody's quote-unquote rooms where they're having their own group meetings in and they have like some ambiance too you know there's some uh desks and photos and um there's some music playing in the background and so like initially just immediately walking in like the setting is very good um and so they sit you down at all these tables and then the game sort of proceeds after some just like some procedural stuff they're saying hey you know here's how the, this game is going to kind of work and then they release you um, to go play the game. And I, I think b the basics are you're kind of all sitting around your table with your group and you're you're given these sheets of paper and you're sort of deciphering what's on that paper, solving some puzzles. But at the meantime, there's some additional things going on. So our group, like Owen immediately became like Wall Street stock trader, <laughs> swapping everyone for everything they had. I don't even know how you maintained what was going on, but there was like, I don't know what they call them. They're like essentially the currency. Uh, yeah, there are the, the kind of like um, they had like what is it, like like fish pebbles, like the things that you see at the bottom of fish tanks counters, kind of mm -hmm. things. Uh, like that that kind of like see through pebbleish kind of thing. Uh, that has like different colors to it, and uh, that was basically the currency that we would get for completing tasks and one of the things that we had to do was we had to go to some of these other groups and give them a code phrase and then they would give us a sheet of paper with like basically a, the next part of our puzzle and so i was doing that and while i was doing that i quickly put together because i asked like, like hey can we trade these gems because each like person each group had different values to the gems so like our group we got three points for every blue gem that we had but other teams only got one point so we wanted the blue ones and other teams wanted to get rid of the blue ones for colors that they liked and they would get more points for and so once i asked like really early on i was like hey can i trade these and they were like yeah of course you can uh that was that was it for me i was gone like i knew my job was to basically just be our representative to the other nine teams. <laughs> and it's so, great because we'd have people show up and they'd be like, are you guys the, uh, what was the name of our team again? The, uh, um, the haulers, the haulers, haulers like you guys, the haulers. haulers Owen's oh, yeah. standing over in the corner. He's like, yeah, what do you need? We got stuff. What, what do you want? <laughs> like gee, many Christmas dude. Are you <laughs> like, what's going on in these other rooms that you're doing? I'm, I'm genuinely concerned. Yeah, well, there, I, were, I just there was, was one team that Owen hated, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the South Seas company. Fuck those guys. But, um, like, yeah. Suck like, an egg. 
<laughs> everybody everybody was like really chill when we like they're like oh hey we've got purples do you have blues and you'd go over and you'd be like yeah that sounds like a deal um so like there was a couple of teams that i made very good alliances with like pretty much every time i showed up they knew i would give them something they wanted i would get what i wanted and so like i didn't even need to talk to the what is it, like the rebels or the renegades or whatever they were mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. at the end there i just showed up and they knew they were like, yeah, here, like we just did the trade uh, They ju- because they knew what I was offering. Um, the and Romanovs then, that people were supposed to hate. Yeah, the Romanovs were people that were supposed to hate and they loved us because <laughs> they, they were next to us and they were very nice uh, and we were very nice to them. Uh, there was every there, 20 minutes or so, there was a uh, like a meeting where they would have a like the first two were just half of each like was like five teams and then five teams and then the last one was everybody basically you would meet at this round table and there would be a pile of gems in the center and the idea was that you had to agree how to split it under two minutes or nobody gets it like unanimously everyone in the entire wow everybody at the table had to agree and so I went to mine, and mine was like, okay, cool. Uh, everybody grab the color that they want, because they, luckily, we had, they split it up, so that way the five people were, like, they wanted each different of the five colors. So we did that, and then, obviously, some of those people didn't have as many gems as the other teams. And so then I was like, okay, cool, let's use the diamonds and uh, the black gems, which were only worth one point to everybody, uh, and I was like, let's use these and give them to people that didn't get as many points to try to even it out. So that way, everybody left the table with roughly, you know, the same amount of points. It sure. wasn't going to be perfect, but it was at least very close. And like, it worked. We were done in a minute. Like my, when I did mine, it was very quick. We showed up. I said that and everyone's like, OK, cool. Here's how many I have. Uh, I'm at a deficit of this. I need this many. We gave them them, and they're like, okay, cool. And we left. Like, they were very surprised at how quick that our group did ours because everybody was on the same page. When we did it with everyone, uh, the South Seas company showed up and they were just like, oh, uh, unless I get half of everything that's on this table, I'm not going to be okay with it. And I was like, wow. so even, even, and I was like, so even if we give, because like we were already dividing up the color piles between the teams and everything. And I was like, even if we get, put this in your favor, you do not care. You want half. And they're like, yeah, no, we want half. So there's no point in us like counting everything out. And I was like, all right, cool. So we're not doing it because I'm not giving you half. Like I just, I was like, I refuse to sit here and make that. That's a silly demand because like we're all trying to be equal. And that's not equal. That's crazy. And like this guy seemed very much like someone that you've dealt with before. Mm-hmm. Like in another mega game. In another <laughs> mega game. Control in the scenario. Yeah. yeah. And so he's just like, you're going to give me half because you're going to want your gem colors. And like, obviously, you're going to do this because like my team's great. And I was just like, fuck you, dude. No. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, that's the end of this. And everybody just walked away from the table and they were just like, what happened? And I was like, those guys fucked it up. And like, they were just like, oh, I don't know why you guys couldn't just give us half of the entire pot. And I was like, because that's blatantly unfair. (laughs) This is not how this works, guys. Yeah. And and 
Meanwhile, we're all sitting at a table and we hear you walk around and like, they can go suck an egg. And we're, you know, we're in the <laughs> middle of other things. So just like sporadically hear you behind a curtain yelling at other people. I, because I just, I wanted to curse yeah. so badly, but I remember that there yeah. was kids and I was like, <laughs> okay, I got to so, like keep it a little bit PG. But I was just so furious about that guy just being so like arrogant in his, yeah. you're going to give me half. And I was like, the fuck we are like, no. And meanwhile, like you're doing all this trading. And meanwhile, at the table, so there was you and our, and our one random were doing the trading. And at the table, there are four more of us because it was teams of six and there were 10 teams total. So we had 60 people in this game broken up into 10 different rooms within this this bigger room. Um, so we're at the table and we're like solving puzzles on transparency sheets. Yeah, essentially. Laminated sheets, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's like two different groups too because at the very beginning of the game, you're given a sh- like a, a, a sheet of paper to sort of break a code and then you're given another sheet of paper that has some mystery, like some other mystery to solve. And those kind of broke apart because there's nine main puzzles for you to solve and that like most they, they even said at the beginning of the game like most teams don't get through nine puzzles and there's also this like secret other puzzle that you can solve that will give you some supplemental information to make a decision at the end of the game so alex caleb and i and brock were all sitting there kind of just like running through all this code stuff while you guys are running around and like i don't know what you guys thought but i thought they were like really well designed with maybe the exception of the moon phase one <laughs> yeah the only, yeah, I think the only issue with the design was they gave us a piece very early on that we didn't need until later, and it would have been better if that just didn't show up until we actually needed it. Because it kind yeah, of especially because us. all the other stuff was like, use this to solve this now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I guess that's true. So this like kind of distracted us at the beginning of the game, so we could have gotten further, sort of thing. I think so. Yeah. So the premise, or, or sort of the design of the game, is that you go through these nine puzzles, and at some point. And everybody's is different, and by everybody, I mean like every faction is different. But at some point, you have what they call an encounter or an experience or something. And they have one of the game, like some sort of game masters come over, and they will run you through an experience, a little scenario that they have that's a part of the uh, overarching game. We finished all nine of our puzzles and, of course, didn't get to do the experience because our faction, of course, of all of the other factions, we had it at the very, very end. Yeah. So, I mean, we missed it by minutes. It was very unfortunate. Yeah, but we did get more puzzles done than everybody else. Yeah, so yeah, that's I mean, probably we... the best part. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Gil. I was just gonna say we freaking won. We destroyed the other teams. Yeah, how many did. gems we picked up and how many puzzles we finished? I did. Yeah. I it, like it was the how many gems we had from you guys solving all of the puzzles. And then me making sure that all of those were our colors. So we got the most points out of it. We had what, like 142? 122. Or, 122, yeah, at the end of it. And then, like, the next team behind us was, like, 104 and then 90. Yeah. Like, we I just mean, we, decimated we, people. When you can hear audible gasps from people <laughs> when they're announcing the score, you know you've done very well. But, of course, like us all the time, because our competitive gene that we have, like, we're walking out the door and we're wanting to talk to the guy who's running everything. He's like, well, how many points did we get? 122? Oh, were we the highest scoring? We were the highest scoring, right? I mean, like, we're the best that's ever done this game ever, period, right? <laughs> obnoxious was that not just you i thought that I mean, was no. yeah it was no, seven we were asking we were asking he did say that he thought we may have been the highest scoring of the weekend but he wasn't I'm glad sure. he kind of like just rounded that conversation he wasn't like just blunt like yeah you guys are the best he was like i don't know you may have been i mean we've had a lot of good scores this is pretty good i just 
I felt vindicated seeing the South Seas company at the fucking bottom of the list. <laughs> I'm just being like, this is what you get for being un- uncooperative bastards. Like, ha. Regardless, really cool experience. Much more uh, or much better design than I think the last mega game that we did. Also, like the format and uh, just their management of all of the teams that were playing. I think we're, it was just very well done. Very happy. I mean, even even though it cost us extra, I don't remember how much it was, like $28, $29, something in there. Um, but s- still kind of worth it. Um, let's talk about some other things that we did at PAX because yeah. uh, that pretty much entails just board games, right? Yeah, I, I was going to say, everything else at the, the PAX was either playing board or card games. I don't know how you guys want to do this, how you want to break down board games or run through them. You just want to, like, Go down the list, like Alex talk about one, Caleb talk about, you know, just sort of rotate through it. I want to go by like times that we played them. I don't You tell me. What do you want to do? Uh, we have like quite a few. Let's go know. with, let's go with, uh, you guys pick one that you wanted to talk about and like when we did it and we can just kind of go from there. I just, I don't think we want to go down like every single game that we played because some of them weren't good. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I know what you're talking about, and the answer is it was a good game. So let's just start There's other there. Games. Let's there just was start other games right, that I thought were bad. Right there, Fuji Koro. Let's talk about a game we played in First Look, which was a samurai dragon, uh, kind of like resource gathering game. I don't even know how to describe the sort of format of that game, but I don't know. it's I don't very know strange. Exploration. Sure, exploration. Yeah. The, the story is that you're a bunch of samurai and there's a volcano and the volcano is about to explode. So you're trying to gather all of this stuff and become the most something samurai at the end of the game, whatever that sort of title is. And you start in the center of the volcano and the rim of the volcano has three temples that you can re- get to. And you're sort of navigating your way out. And as you move, you're flipping tiles or placing tiles similar to like a betrayal house on the hill. You just don't know what you're going to get. You go to step on a tile, you see, you lay the tile, and then you get, you discover uh, some of the aspects of what's going on with the tile. And as a part of that, you're interacting with things like uh, you're finding, um, if you're Caleb, you're finding scrolls that uh-huh. help you score points for your character. Uh, you also get monks that help you do things, and you can pick up um, resources in order to build items for your character, which... I, Alex, I think you actually mentioned that you thought this was probably the coolest part of that game was how you were allocating resources to build items on your character. Right, because it's literally like a a Minecraft crafting system in a board game, essentially. Like there's a grid and you place your blocks of stone and wood in like a specific orientation and then it like creates a an item. It's that's lifted straight from Minecraft, essentially. And that is also your initiative for your weapon. So however long, like one like line of blocks is, is how much like what your initiative count is for when you're fighting something, which is cool. Also, I thought the game was neat. Uh, I'm really glad we had somebody explain it to us because if we tried to read that freaking rule book and figure it out ourselves, we would have not played that game. <laughs> the rule book was pretty intense. It was a lot of pages. There's, there's a lot going on in the game, and I think that is the problem that I had most with it was like I liked the theme, you know, samurai dragons. Okay, dope. I liked a lot of the mechanics, like the building of your 
like sword and then that's depending on like how many things you've built put in there is how many dice that you throw and i was like all right like i like this mechanic uh but i just felt like there was just too many mechanics going on to too much stuff and then like half of it just almost didn't matter at the end and i was just like oh okay okay that's fine i guess like i i, I that's that's where i i was i was upset with the game cuz it seemed really cool and it had a lot of good ideas i just felt like it had too many good ideas at once and i was like all right neat like i don't think i ever needed to have a sword i don't think i ever needed to build one at any point in time to actually have viably play that against you guys and being competitive I think they're like the game seems to lay out several paths to victory. And if you excel very well at any one of those paths, you would win. So for Caleb, it was collecting scrolls. Yeah, because I'd they're like worth point points. Out, I didn't even win. I know, but, but as much because, as you say that. Because, and I think the only reason you didn't win is because the path that I chose, which was building all of the uh, like imbued or special armor weapon stuff, I don't even know what they called it, but. That gave magic. you points. Magical. Maybe it was just yeah. magical. Okay. It was okay. just magic. So, and I had one for each slot, which gave me a whole bunch more points than you. And then you have like, you can take the path of just fighting dragons because that's worth a lot. You get a lot of victory points from just killing dragons when you flip over a tile and there happens to be a dragon there. So I don't know. I think there were multiple pathways, but the, the end game and sort of how you're scoring, if you don't, so at the very end of the game, it sort of transitions into this other, um, like this end game sequence where the volcano starts erupting and so you can't step on tiles anymore and you have to make it back to get to a rope so that you can go back to where you're supposed to be and then score points based on all of the treasure that you gathered and resources that you gathered. So I don't, I thought it was neat. I thought the artwork was kind of cool. Like kind of a weird like Lego samurai blocky guys. It's like yeah. Lego anime. Yeah. Disney chunky dudes. All right, Alex, how about you? A game you played that you liked? Um, I, the, my favorite was Cthulhu. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Cthulhu Death. Death May Die. What a game! Which we spent a long time trying to get a hold of. <laughs> there was a, there was like a demo going on that always had people at it, and it was a fairly long demo, so you'd have to stand there forever if you wanted to wait for it. And then at one point, Caleb was like, I saw a copy get returned to the, the library. And we were like, holy crap. So then we had a bunch of people combing the library, try to find it. I think he lied because it never showed up. I didn't lie. I'm telling you, they <laughs> took it to the back for some um, reason. For somebody else that they were holding it for, probably. I wonder. And we just, we basically just stood around the library for like 45 minutes. And then somebody else returned one and we immediately like checked it out. Man, when I tried to get it, the lady was so aggressive that I had to wait until it was placed back out with the other games. Like, it was one level of aggressive. Huh? And there was like, other people, like, walking up to people that w were trying to put out games, and they're like, oh, can I just have that one? And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. And they'd give it to them. Wow. Well, I think then it's fine. But not It just has to be scanned. Check it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she had already scanned it. She scanned it. She set it behind her, and I was like, can I take that? And she's like, no, you gotta wait till they're placed out. I'm like, okay. Jeez. <laughs> she must have had a lot of people asking like the same question about other games right before Probably. that. Probably. Yeah. I guess if she has to stop every two seconds to give people stuff back, that's a problem. So let's talk but about whatever. this game. Yeah, this game is um 
It's a co-op game. It has a bunch of characters with different abilities that you can level up, and you're essentially trying to break a ritual to enable one of the elder gods to become mortal for a short time and then use that time to kill them. And so like you have a map that you're navigating and like the, the episode that we played, we were trying to break up this ritual that involved these pyres. So you had to run around and break these pyres and there's a bunch of enemies on the board that are hindering you and you have to fight them. And then like, as you take damage, you are going insane essentially and when you hit these these uh, milestones on your sanity tracker uh you have an uh, a card that you get at the beginning of the game that is like the effect that takes place every time you hit one of these milestones so like for me when i would hit one of the milestones my character would immediately have to move to the room uh, that was that was closest to me that had people in it and then i would do two damage to everybody in the room no matter if it was an ally or an enemy just a psychopath. Yeah. And there were psychotic breaks, right? And that was what the card was? Yeah, psycho- psychotic break, I think, is exactly what it was. And, you know, those were pretty varied and interesting. Um, and then, like, leveling up your characters is pretty cool, too. Like, my guy, I was playing Rasputin, and his whole thing was he could die multiple times. <laughs> and you could, like, level up how many times he could die throughout the game. So, like... Towards the end, you could die three times, essentially, and still come back. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of other mechanics in there. You're finding items and fighting enemies and leveling up. I never got to level up. I didn't either. I had maintained my sanity. Yeah. One the of the inter- most interesting parts of the game is when you're moving around and you end up in a space that doesn't have any enemies in it, and you get to the third phase in your turn or whatever after the enemy take th- takes their turn. You, if there's nobody in your space, you investigate, which is you draw a card that has like a choice on it. It reads out some story beat and it has a choice. And on the left or right side of the card is the choice that you make. And it usually gives you a card that you slide underneath your player board. For instance, Alex got Bleach, I think, at one point. Which uh, you can combine with another item you can find to make ammonia. an enormous bomb. Yeah, ammonia, thank you. I thought, uh, I thought those were pretty neat. There are also detriments, too. Like, my card, I could have gotten... There's some, like, negative uh, sort of, like, detriment to your character. It's, like, some characteristic that you then take on. And that doesn't allow you to do things if you find it in the future. So, sometimes those decisions, I think, can be good and they can benefit you with items and and companions, but other times they can just prevent you from being able to do things specifically. Wait, what was that one? Uh, it was the, th- I, Alex had a card that talked about it, like you wouldn't be able to take a companion because you have something. Um, it's almost like like you have oh. a like clean conscience or good conscience. Or oh yeah, guilty conscience. Was guilty was. conscience. Wow, definitely not clean or good. Okay. Nope. Uh, <laughs> something like that. I think also, like we didn't mention, but the game like has the sort of investigation phase, and then at some point, whatever the monster is that you're facing just spawns, and you have mm-hmm. to beat it. Um, and it has like several stages, and we were fighting against Cthulhu, and he never even spawned, so you know we just died quickly, and then the game was over. But really cool game, it seems. Uh, I think there were probably like eight stories in that 
box. Yep. And then there's two monsters, and that's only season one. They have a. I think we were talking, Caleb. You said they have a couple expansions, and they're already they've already released season two. I think so. Yeah. I think season three comes out soon ish. So there we go. More episodic slash campaign games to add to our giant <laughs> ongoing list of games to play. Woo! Oh Dude. man, the minis were so good in that game too. They were very well, very well done. Yeah, like the main boss is giant also. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Caleb, let's talk about a board game you played. Sure. Um, we played Aftermath, which is by the people that made Mice and Mystics and Stuffed Fables. And it's very, very similar to Stuffed Fables. Pretty much the same, except you take out the dice bag that Stuffed Fables has, and you put in a deck of cards. And that's what you use to do your actions during your turn. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. I haven't decided yet if I like the dice or the deck of cards more. I think I'm still leaning towards the dice. I think I am too. I really like the dice. I think the mechanic is just it, it feels more like you're interacting with it whereas the yeah. deck of cards you're just constantly drawing through it the dice right. version you know you're replacing you're refilling the bag every time something happens so you constantly have like you know that you're putting five black die back in the bag which means you know that the enemies are going to have more chance of coming up than it would be if you had uh you know the black cards that are in the deck from aftermath i did like that it was less kid ish yeah, then stuff the story is not just about, you know, stuffed boys or yeah. the child. And even the story we played seemed like I like I, I like that they're talking about the overarching world of just humanity, everything collapsing and then the animals sort of taking over the rest of what's what's sort of society, what's left in society and navigating through that. So one of the like in our campaign, we walked into a vending machine and we were having to battle with not only a sort of conveyor belt for things to fall down, but also the springs that push the food out. And it added some elements to the story. And I think that was kind of neat just to have yeah. that. The vending machine was very cool. The roaches were not. I died. <laughs> so that happened. Very early on. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, pretty early All on. All of us died except for Caleb. Yeah, but I died like a while before everybody else to a bunch of roaches. Did I, I get the wrecked. bag out in the end? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, you succeeded. We finished it. It's a very cool game. I really like those. I really like their storybooks. I think that's yeah. probably the best element of their games. I don't know if uh, Mice and Mystics was like that. I think it was slightly different than Stuff Fables and Aftermath. In it terms was different. Of... Yeah, it had okay. tiles. I really like the grid in the book, and you could just like flip pages. I think it's very well done, and it's compact. It's not a bunch of extra pieces. You're just flipping to a page and reading a little story beat. Right. Uh, I think yeah, the best part is really like good. it can every page can be unique and it can be like a unique board. Yeah. So yeah. you don't have to just reuse tiles in different orientations. Right. And I think we were talking through I don't remember the exact number, but I think there were some 40 some scenarios in that book for you to play through. I mean, granted, it has like 100 pages and the actual numbering of scenarios goes up to close to 100. But that's because that's it's on page 100. I think if you break it down. You know, there, there's something like 40 scenarios for you to be able to go through in the in the story. So, seems really neat. Yeah, I'm very excited to pick it up. Uh, Owen? Yeah, to continue on the trend of Aaron dying early on in the game, uh, we played the God of War board game, which I thought was really, really fun. 
as somebody that I've never played any of the God of War games, never really wanted to, uh, but I really enjoyed the board game. I thought it was a very cool take. Uh, I kind of like liked it was a like quasi deck building, uh, but it was cool. And I don't know what the deal with that angel bitty was, but we killed her and go us. <laughs> I think that game is interesting. Um, well, one thing to tell you about the God of War game is everybody's playing a character and you're kind of like, you're not really on a board. You pull out a scenario deck and that scenario deck is laid in front of you in a, in a grid of two by four. And there are enemies on the deck. There are things you can interact with on the deck. And it's a deck builder, you know, so you're building up your hand of cards and then playing them each round to try and progress until you meet the requirement of what that scenario is and there's always like a here's the end goal here's what you have to do here's what you have to achieve but there are some additional things you can get so you know you can interact with chests or you can interact with elements on the map to cause things to happen it feels a little bit like if they could turn god of war into a card game this maybe would how, how it would be i mean it's it's like it seems kind of cool um i don't know how much replayability it has though because the yeah. scenarios are very much like once you've done that you you know how it's going to go there's no it's not a change not a difference that you could make or a different path you can take to beat that scenario i think the way they battle that though is when you when you start the game you lay out you know you pick a you pick a scenario you're going to do then you pick three more scenarios then or two more scenarios then you pick three bosses and once you beat the first scenario you have to pick between the two and whichever one you don't pick, you flip over and there's a sort of um, a condition that you have to deal with for the remainder of that round. I think that's probably the only way they deal with the non-replayability of the game is to just yeah. introduce some like additional mm -hmm. elements. I still don't think it's, it's a enough, good attempt. But... Yeah, I, I think that as well. But yeah, I died again. I was playing <laughs> Mimir and Mimir doesn't do anything except for help people and get you know hooked to somebody's belt. Um, but I got, I got wrecked four by... health. Who did I get they killed by? Dies. Yeah, I only four health. I got killed by one of, the to one of the Valkyries. Valkyries, yeah. Yeah, got wrecked. The one with a scythe. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a beastie. The uh, was... scenario was really cool where we fought the Valkyrie Queen. Yeah, because yeah, there was like multiple stages of fighting it. Yeah, yeah, but and you once you do it once, yeah, it's kind of lost its luster. Um, I'll go again for another one. We played a board game called Eschaton. Oh, yeah. Boy, I did not think it was spelled, or I did not think that's how you pronounce that word. E-S-C-H-A-T-O-N. I was thinking Eschaton, but no, Eschaton, something else. Um, another deck building, deck building game where you are playing as a cult, and uh, it's end times, the world's going to end, and at the end of the uh, sort of scenario set, this small deck you have in the top left-hand corner as you're flipping cards over, there's things that are happening, but at some point, uh, you flip over a card that's end times or something. I don't know what the exact phrase they use, but at yeah, that point, if you have gathered, gathered the most uh, favor and or gathered the most um, victory points for that condition, you win and you get to rebuild the world in the Dark One's image. Um, the game is interesting because it introduces like you have the de deck building aspect but it also introduces some elements of moving tokens around the board and those token tokens affecting how much how many points you have at the end of the game as well as 
control of specific regions for parts of the scenario. So we had one at one point where if you were in control of this very specific swamp, you would gain victory points at the end of um, that specific condition. It's like part risk, part deck builder. Yeah. And then the deck is not, you know, the deck you're building is not specifically a, these cards do something. It's more, you have a deck and each one of the cards has four different elements on it. And those elements, you add them up across your set of deck, your like your play deck. And however many points you have in each one of those four elements is how many actions you get for each of those different things. And some of them are like drawing extra cards there's uh being able to there's like buying power so you can buy extra people into your cult um, and those cards are just visible face up there is um drawing cards from just like a draw deck where it's a whole bunch of other random cards that you can get and there's one that i think the fourth one is probably just moving blocks or something of the like oh no it's it's military action so it's like moving your troops um it seemed really cool. I went with a strategy that I thought would be helpful and beneficial, but it was a very short game, and it was absolutely useless. <laughs> Caleb chose the good strategy, which was to just put people everywhere, get troops everywhere as fast Here, as possible. Here's the thing. Caleb didn't choose that strategy. That ch strategy was chosen for him with the card draws, because I never uh, got more than three buying power uh, any turn, ever. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> but I did always have a lot of military might, or that's called aggression. Aggression. Aggression, yeah. It's a neat game. Um, Alex, how about you? What other game did you play that you liked? Mm, what other games do we play? Oh, man, I'm, I'm at that gosh. point now, too. Oh, man. Are you kidding? I've got so many games that we, I played. Speak we on played, speak. Uh, well, we Gen played... 7, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is one. That, that, that is that one. That is a game. Uh... We played... <laughs> Wow, that's, that's a, all you got to say about that. All one, he's huh? got to say about it. It's, it's a, we, we did Gen Seven. It's the new. Well, I don't know if it's new at this point. It's the second Crossroads game, which is supposedly a series of games from what was it? <laughs> Fantasy Flight. <laughs> supposedly a series of games. Yeah. Um, the first one of which was uh, Dead of Winter. Dead, Dead of Winter. Yeah. So they're all supposed to use the same mechanics of like at certain points in the game, you'll draw these cards that will let you have two choices essentially that'll have different outcomes to your character and um this one's a sci-fi one though so you're on like a space station i guess or a spaceship you're on a ship you're on a ship that's traveling with like it's like a generation ship where they have to get from earth to some other planet that they're going to repopulate and this is some year mid travel about halfway through the journey right Gen i think seven. we're this I think we're the seventh generation that's lived on the ship. I think that's what it is. And so there's all these things that are going on with the ship because it's been in operation for so long. So you have to constantly try to solve these like little mini quests by basically collecting resources that can uh, satisfy them and then allocating the resources accordingly. Um, and you have to like kind of manage how you're going to do that for the round because you only have a certain amount of time and a certain amount of workers from your board that are able to contribute um and then you also have like these personal goals for each of your players on top of that that sometimes you're like oh caleb could have just solved all of that stuff but instead he used <laughs> all of his stuff to do his personal <laughs> objective yeah mm -hmm. it's 
to me it it felt like um if you took just like a like a story game and you wanted to like get more like get less out of what the game mechanics are and more out of just role playing the characters you are and playing as them a little bit cuz the like the missions weren't like there was some reading to the missions. There was some there was some story to the missions. Like there's an AI that's controlling the ship. And you're like having to make a decision on whether or not you're gonna like go choose its side or choose the side of this mysterious message that you get. Uh, but what you're doing, like the actions you're actually playing, it's almost like if you were on a ship and you were doing these mundane tasks in order to maintain the ship's integrity so that it continue on its mission. This is basically what you'd be doing in that exact scenario in real life but you're doing it in a board game. So it's it doesn't feel like what you're doing has a lot of impact, but you're all kind of playing as a group. So to me, it felt like almost like if you want to play a game that's based in sci-fi world, based on a ship where you're traveling point A to point B and you want it to be kind of like mundane tasks, but you want it to be more like you can build your character into the story sort of thing. Maybe that's, I don't know. I don't know if you guys got that sense out of it at all, but it just didn't seem like it had a ton of mechanic depth. Mechanic step. That's wrong. That's the wrong phrase. Not mechanics. Because it was, it was like mechanically inclined. It just didn't have, like, there wasn't a lot of weight to your actions. Like, okay, I'm contributing. I guess. Cool. Yeah. Here, once once crew. you pointed out what it was, I was just like, that game died. I I, <laughs> well, I went from mildly interested to I need to stop playing this. It's so because fast. I told you that my character was filing documents. <laughs> And you were you just lost it at that point. We're filing documents. No, this real life. Yeah. Once you were just like, oh yeah, it's like doing chores, but in a board game. And I was like, oh, I don't care. Like, sure, there's an evil AI <laughs> or something you got to deal with. What the fuck ever. Right. Uh, uh be interested Caleb? to get a little oh, sorry, deeper into it because we didn't fail anything, right? So no, no, we did not. I wonder. I wonder how the game shifts when you start. Like being pressed. Right. Uh, Caleb, any other games for you? Uh, we played Anomaly, which mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed. It was a 3v1? 4v3v1? 3v1. 3v1. Okay. I had to think about that for a bit. Uh, three people play as these students, I think. Student researchers. Yep. Aboard this station, I guess. I'm not quite sure on that. And one person plays as an Anomaly. Basically, the goal is the anomaly's goal is to, uh, well, let me explain that a little better. There's a health tracker that has anomaly's health on one side, on the left side, and uh, student's health on the right side, and a center point that is zero that can also move along the track. So the goal of both teams is to get the other person's health to the zero marker. And the anomaly can move its health by feeding on various things in the environment, or it can move the zero marker by feeding on students. It moves it towards the students so that they have less max health, essentially. And then the students have various abilities that they can do that damage the anomaly. But the cool way it plays is each student picks up a number of cards. I think it was just five or something. And they use these cards to perform actions. Was it just three? Yep, we only had nine cards total. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, they use these cards to, to perform actions, so they can just discard them to play their basic three actions, which are like scanning for a monster, uh, moving, and I don't remember the other one. Or they could use 
the action on the card, which are special actions that usually dealt damage to the monster or helped find it better. But anytime they used the special action, they would have to hand the card to the anomaly instead of discarding it. And that's how the anomaly got his special abilities, because he doesn't draw any cards of his own. And each time a player takes a turn, they play they do uh they play one card, do one action, and then the anomaly can step in and take its turn if it wants. It has a total of three turns that it can take, or three actions it can take over the course of what uh seven actions of the players but it can kind of hop in at any point and do its do its actions and it's a hidden positioning game so no one really knows what was that hidden movement is that what they call that movement yeah i think that's right uh so the anomaly doesn't know where the students are the students don't know where each other or the anomaly is necessarily um and sort of the goal is to find out where other people are and then attack them and get away back into hiding I don't remember who was talking about it, but maybe Alex saying something about how there's just like no, like nothing you were doing in that game felt like you were making progress or was rewarding. It always felt like you were behind, like you were losing. Behind, yeah. Yeah, both, is both sides felt like they were losing the whole time until the end of the game, essentially. Yeah. It, it was a gridlock game. I think they have one mechanic in that game that causes the game to progress forward, and that's that there's radioactive material that's sort of spreading throughout the ship. It won't kill the anomaly, but it will kill the students. And so therefore you can only like, you, you start, your like movement is restricted at some point. And that's, I think, just forcing people to do things. Because if that didn't exist, it would just be a bunch of scanning. No one would ever use abilities because we don't want to let the anomaly evolve and become more powerful. And it'd be just like a, you know, a, a gridlock or a stalemate. You wouldn't be able to really do much. It would be very slow. It's a strange game. It was very strange. I liked uh, it. I enjoyed playing it, but it did. Yeah, it had that felt like you were losing the whole time, which is not ideal. Yeah. Uh, Owen, other things you played? Uh, I did go and play the uh, Magic: The Gathering uh, mystery convention stuff, mm-hmm, uh, which mm-hmm. unfortunately was not very well uh, organized by the people that were at PAX. But it was a lot of fun to play when we actually did get a chance to play it. Um, I mentioned this on the last podcast, but for those that don't know, it's basically a set of magic reprints that are specific to conventions. So you can only get these boosters at conventions. And instead of it being like a normal set of about uh, like 150 cards-ish, like around there kind of thing, um, it's like 1800 cards so it's insanely large you won't see the same card twice uh and if you do it's going to be extremely rare because there's just so many cards that you're playing with um and so i was able to play that and it was a lot of fun it was really dumb janky magic and I had a lot of fun playing that against uh, the people that I played. Uh, I won my first game. I lost my second one. uh, And I was extremely happy with it because it was just weird. Uh, They also had playtest cards in them. So these were cards that had not been released yet. uh, But there were things that, like, the dev team wanted to try out. And so they're, like, it's literally just, like, a white card with, like, a little, like, scribbled sketch that the dev team put on it. 
and so like one of them that I played, uh, my opponent had, uh, it split the game board in half. So when you put a creature on the field, you had to choose either the left side or the right side, and you couldn't, like, you couldn't attack or block with creatures that are on the other side of the field. So I, anything that was on the right lane had to attack and block on the right lane. You couldn't have it block something that's on the left. Um, so I thought that was really neat. It was a really cool concept. It was a lot of fun. And somebody it was played just, some artifact. It was yep, it was some it was some weird <laughs> janky magic. Um, like I I had a card that just uh, it stopped people from being able to attack unless you had uh, unless the creature had flying, and that's how I won my first game. Was that I basically put that creature on the field, and then my opponent didn't have any flying cards, couldn't do anything. And then I put a protection. I put a um, a card that gave it a protection, so you couldn't like target it with spells or anything. And so then this card basically just sat there, invincible, just destroying the shit, uh, or you know stopping them from being able to do anything. While I just slowly ticked them away with like my one one and my two two flyers, um, and it worked, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I feel like that's how magic should be. There was a lot less worrying about. Oh, is this a good pick? Is this meta? What about that pick? Like, you know, it, it just seemed like a lot of just like, hey, I got a bunch of weird cards. You got a bunch of weird cards. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be fun. Hmm. So yay on that. Um, I am out of the games that I would have suggested. Anybody else have anything that they played that they thought was really good or worth mentioning? I don't. Did you guys see Weave? Because Weave was one of the, because I, I, I bought two games. I was the only person that bought games other than Brock. Brock, Brock bought games. Yeah, but I mean, on the podcast, I was the only one oh, who yeah, bought yeah. games. Um, yeah, I bought Weave and Fire Tower, and I thought Weave was really cool. It's basically a deck of cards that you scan with an app, and depending on what like screen you're on in the app and what card, it gives you different options. And the idea is that it basically helps you put together a quick character and narrative to do like light role playing. And I wanted to try it out. So I went and tried it out with these two other random people from Kentucky. And they were very nice. And it was just really kind of cool of it just being like, okay, cool. You're a goblin. Here's the thing that you want to do. Scan this card. All right, you know, you you're either going to have a really large stick uh, or some leaves or this. And like that is like what you're that's what's in your hands. This is what your character is. Go. And just kind of like what would you do in these scenario kind of things and uh it was a lot of fun. There was it took a lot of the like kind of number game out of playing role-playing games which i really enjoyed because it was just more about the story but you still had to like roll some dice to see what would happen my team uh we were goblins and we were facing against other goblins to try to get a staff that was in the center of a maze and our solution to that was we lit the maze on fire and then we ran through the flames hmm. because we were like yeah why not because we were like one of the the cards that we like flipped over and scanned we were a uh, abnormally wet goblin for some reason at all times we were very slippery and wet um and so that was later like hey if we're always wet maybe shouldn't have a problem running through fire exactly and so we just ran through flames uh and it was very fun and like i was talking to the 
the person that was playtesting, like kind of like demoed it for us. And I was like, you know, how much of this was you like coming up with stuff via the app versus how much of this is you just being like a good DM? Uh, and they were mentioning how it's really helpful for us to like, it, it definitely helps you become a good DM and come up with fun stories and creative solutions and kind of just some lighthearted role playing that you can do with your friends on the drop of the hat. Like you don't have to have character sheets made up. You can just do it. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. And um, they were telling me stories about like other people that did that scenario and how there was like one group of goblins that did a cheerleading pyramid to memorize the map of like how everything was laid out and then run through the maze that way. There was another one that they got to the center and the enemy team was at the center of it. And so they had a rap battle for who was going to get the stick. <laughs> and I was like, that's creative and it's fun. And I, I really liked that it was creative and not just kind of, it felt less constricting than a lot of my normal kind of D&D sessions. Well, it's, it seems to me it's more like, uh, I mean, even their, even their uh, motto is, or their phrase is half tarot, half role play, all story. So... It seems like this is just like a, a storytelling platform. Like this, the first thing that I thought of when you were telling me about this are the story cubes, which their sole purpose is to just roll die and then you tell a story based on what is like what arrived, what 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 the like what icons yeah. are on the dice. So it's just like a method to help people uh, create some sort of story out of nothing and then um, build characters, build a story out of what you see or what what is actually activated by the app with the cards. Seems kind of neat. It's just like a like a secondary tool to help build some build some sort of story. Yeah, I thought it was really neat. And then we also had Fire Tower, which you guys got to play at the end there. What did you yeah, think of Fire Tower? I felt bad about teaming up on Alex and and helped him. And then I was the first person that wait no actually I was second. Yeah, person what are you die. talking about? First person to die. Everybody I ganged up on me suddenly. First, we died, and I died basically the same time. So mm. the point it, is, so it went from. I think I feel like it went from people ganging up on Brock, and then everybody felt bad about that. So then it ganged up on me, and then everybody felt bad about that. So then we ganged up on Aaron, and everybody felt bad about that. So then everybody ganged up on Caleb, and then everybody Nobody simultaneously was that. like, "Well, somebody <laughs> has to die sometime." <laughs> so then you just died. Yeah, I didn't have that experience because when I played, I played against two guys named Joe that knew each other. So right off the bat. I, mean, I was enemy number one. Yeah. Uh, and Two guys named Joe. I, I, I think... did not last long against them, but it was really cool. Uh, the... Unlike the version that you guys played, I got to play with the expansion cards. Right. And um, the Firehawks, which were really cool. They basically, instead of the fire being able to spread, uh, you could put Firehawks. And then if the Firehawks get uh, hit with one of the fires, you can then move that fire token to anywhere else on the board. And we should so, probably explain like what this game is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the the premise of this game, you have four different fire towers. They're on the corners of the board, and you're trying to put out fires and protect your fire tower. And in the very center is a fire that cannot be put out, and it's just constantly spreading through the trees. Each turn, you're placing a fire token just like based on the wind direction, and then you're also playing a card and replenishing your hand. That card can do basically one of three things you can place fire it can put out fire with water or you can put like what's like kind of like a block uh, where you're like cutting a swath in the trees or you're uh digging a channel so that the fire can't cross it or and change wind is, direction or change wind direction yeah forgot about that fourth one but those are basic mechanics so you're just spreading fire in this forest uh and trying to be the 
person who survives the longest so that you can be the fire marshal or whatever they're called. Yep. That was cool. It's a cool game. The one card I don't like, and maybe this is just because I have like, it's the one that absolutely decimated me and that broke the rules, uh, is that like paratrooper bomb card that he said specifically breaks the rules and you can play it in a person's tower. I think it's a very yep. strange mechanic, but okay. <laughs> that was the, in the expansion, there is a card that basically, uh, we had the ones that, uh, that did like three fires in a line. Yep. Well, there is one that you it did two fires in a line, but you could play as many of those as you had in your uh, hand at that's once. That's kind of cool. So you did five of them, you just get ten fires. Just boom. Yeah, Awful. and that's exactly how I got <laughs> destroyed. Was a guy literally just was like, I have four of them, and just put a straight line right because I was like, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And then he was just like, nope, you're dead. And I was like. Well, shit, like, I can't even respond. Like, I, I don't even have the ability to be like, let me use my bucket or anything. It was just insta-dead. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, that didn't feel good, but I bought the version of the game that didn't have the expansion, so I don't have to worry about this card. So I was like, ah, screw it. There should be, maybe be a mechanic for, like, a last-ditch save. Yeah, Like, outside of the, your turn. Yeah, other than the water bucket that you have to use on your turn. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know because if you can if you can just like snipe someone out like that from long distance like you go from not feeling like you are endangered to just being decimated in a single turn and that doesn't feel good like that's not great yeah uh but like when I saw when you guys were playing like this fire was slowly creeping towards you and then you were able to use your water buckets as trying to like a defense ditch effort and then you were doing other things to kind of like do a bit of defense and like several times I thought one of you were going to get knocked out but then managed to like beat the fire back a little bit Mm -hmm. and I was like okay cool like that's the gameplay that I enjoyed like that was the reason I I bought the game because I thought that was cool. I'm pretty sure that was Alex who used the bucket to get the fire out and then ended up winning. Yeah. I got very close to dead several times and then just cleared out all the fire. That's because you didn't get hit by one of those freaking paratrooper bomb things. Yeah, Yeah. those bombs are rough. I think one of the cool parts about the game is that they still give actions to people that are knocked out. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like straight like you're done forever after you die. It's not like much, but you can kind of influence events from the dead. You can can extract some form of revenge. Yeah. So yeah, at least you have something instead of just like, I guess you can go away now. Go in the other room and watch TV while we finish this game. <laughs> uh, so I guess to sum things up, I think we all enjoyed PAX. We, we did play a lot of games this year. We really didn't do much other than that um, outside of our awesome Airbnb that we had. Um, and, you know, I think probably more than or probably less than uh, past years, we didn't end up buying a lot. I feel like last couple of years, everybody spent a ton of money on board games, but this year was more just kind of like, yeah, yeah there was there. several things I wanted to buy and I went through the trouble of looking them up online and seeing that they were cheaper. So I was like, <laughs> okay, yep. like, oh, there's the price on Amazon. Okay. Did buy um, dice. Wanted to note a couple of additional things. Uh, number one, if you have not listened to the last Expanding Horizons book club podcast that we uh, posted on the 1st of December, please do so. Um, we, well, I say we, they 
talked about the lottery and story of your life. Um, so go take a listen to that. Additionally, Owen, are we doing another community cast? Uh, so they said that they would love to do it. I'm working on trying to get them booked. They, I gave them a bunch of dates and they did not respond to it. But in theory, uh, we should have, hopefully, the uh, developers of Fire Tower uh, on with yeah. us for a new community cast because they said that they'd like to do it. So we'll see. Yeah. A board game one, finally. This is yeah. exciting. This we'll is a board game one. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. Um, again, if you want to check out anything we've done in the past, you can go check out our website, weirdthehorizon.com, and we will catch you next time. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. Again, Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.